Well, good morning. I am just coming fresh off of a wonderful weekend. We had our set free retreat here at Hillcrest and uh, we had over 30 participants. I don't remember what the actual number was, but it was uh, amazing. We had leaders and uh, uh, come from a lot of, lot of places, uh, North Battleford, Saskatoon, uh, Stoughton, Grenfell, Swift Current, Regina. Um, my niece is visiting from Regina, so every night I would come back, I would say, we had an incredible night. So many people from Regina became Christians. Anyhow, <laughs> I like teasing people from Regina. Um, anyhow, it's like, oh, that's so great. You know, all, it's good that we had lots of holy people from Moose Jaw to help those really rotten people from Regina. Anyhow, so that's what's been going on in my household every night as they go back to give a report. But Set Free was an amazing weekend. An amazing weekend. Um, we're, we've got several uh, who of the ones, and again, a lot of people from our own church were there too. But I, I maybe speaking about the ones who came from a distance, because at the end of the service, I'd like to take a time to just pray for some of the ones who came from a distance and have stayed for Sunday morning service. So welcome. We're so glad that you're here with us this morning, and uh, that you've taken the whole weekend with us at Hillcrest. We are just so blessed by what's gone on. Now, my, uh, my job today is, I have a sort of sad job, and that's to bring the Gospel Fluency series to an end. I'm excited for the Case for Christmas series, so excited for it. But the Gospel Fluency series, I've really enjoyed how I've been growing through this series, and, and I have heard from some people who've given me feedback and say they're growing too, so I really hate to, to uh, wrap things up. The good news is this, is that we're not just starting, we're not just putting, you know, eight or nine weeks towards this effort to become more fluent in the gospel, to become more, uh, for the gospel to flow out of us more easily, but actually we're really dedicating ourselves to quite an extended season of, of really focusing in this area. So the case for Christmas actually is going to come in in a very complementary way to that. And some of the things we'll do in the new year will also be complementary to that. So if you feel like I'm just starting to catch on, or maybe I'm still trying to catch on. Don't worry. We're going to cover some of this material again because we, it's, it's not just that you hear it, but it's that you retain it and that it changes us. And I know for me that some, I've experienced some good changes myself for this series, but I said, you know what? I know there's more. I know there's more transformation and I can be more fluid in the gospel and I'm excited uh, for the gospel changes that have happened and will yet happen. So don't worry if you feel like you missed the boat or you didn't catch on or you weren't quick enough. Huh. We're going to come back to it and we're going to keep uh, making sure that uh, we heat up this value in our church of being able to not only experience the transformation of the gospel in our own lives, but uh, share that amongst ourselves and share that with others. So what, where do we go from here? Uh, I want to share some scripture passages with you, and I've got five main questions that I'm going to sort of, and there's, it's sort of a checklist a little bit today, a little bit of a checklist. So if you feel like that you have got tooled or equipped through this series a little bit, then maybe this will help uh, refine um, how you use those tools and how you use that equipping. So let's read out of Colossians chapter 4. Colossians 4, 2 to 6. It says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message 
that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. I love the, here's the context. So Paul is writing, he's saying, I, I am in, in chains, I've been arrested and now I'm, I'm imprisoned, and I'm in chains because of this message. And he doesn't just say this message, he says our message. Let me read it to you again. Uh, pray for us too that God may open a door for our message. My first question I want to ask you, and this is even one of, I've got five specific questions. This isn't even one of the five, but I think it's the one that'll set things up. Has God's message to the world that he is uh, eager to reconcile them to himself, so eager that God the Father sent the Son so that that possibility could happen? To live the perfect life to die a sacrificial death on our behalf and then raised with power in the resurrection. Is the message that God has for the world, has it become our message? Paul says, I'm in prison. Why am I in prison? Because of our message. When you say it's our message, it's you're taking ownership. There's buy-in. There's alignment. There's, a, there's something that's happened. You said, you know what? The message that God has for the world is our message to the world. I've so aligned myself with God the Father, with Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit. I've so aligned myself because of the work he's done in my life that the message that I have for the world is the same message that God has for the world be reconciled to God. In fact, it's as if God was making his appeal through us. It's as if God was making his appeal through us. In fact, he is. So that's the first question. Has God's message become our message? Have we embraced our role as his declaration people to the world? That's the first question that I want to ask. It's not even one of my, the five I'm going to list after, but that, that's the one that I think is where we begin. Now, if you, inside, you, as you hear that question, if inside you say, yeah, yeah, I, I, even though I, I have struggles in this area, even though I have difficulties, even though I wouldn't necessarily say I'm gospel fluent, like we've been talking about, I do recognize that there's a call of God on my life to speak the message of God to the world in some way. And may not even know how to do it, and, and maybe try, have had tries, try to do it in the past and failed, but I still feel that that's who I am, that who, that's who God made me, his ambassador of reconciliation, that because of what he's done in my life, that's who I am. So we start with identity. If that's what you say, if you're, I'm a carrier of that message, even imperfectly, if we start with that, then the next questions actually will apply. But we have to begin there. Has God's message become our message? Have we embraced it? Let me read to you out of uh, Romans 10. I've got five passages, a question for each passage. Here we go. How then can they call on the one they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one they've not heard? 
And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So the, here's, the, here's, the other, here's the next question. Have you embraced your role as a speaker of good news? Okay, just dovetails in with the other question. Have you embraced your role as a speaker of good news? I don't know if you, anyone caught this in the news this week, but Stephen Colbert was being interviewed by a Catholic priest. And Stephen Colbert, is, he's a late-night talk show guy. Anyhow, Stephen Colbert is being interviewed, and he begins to tell the story of when he first, uh, or, or I'm not sure first, but where he was really impacted. Uh, in, he goes way back to 1988. He says that in 1988, he's walking the cold streets of Philadelphia in the winter, and a guy walks up to him and engages him, and in part, as part of their conversation, the guy gives him a New Testament. It's one of those, I, I can still remember seeing these when I was a kid. It's green bound. Uh, it's got Psalms and Proverbs, little New Testament. It'd be like what the Gideons would have given out in schools year, in years past. And this, this guy gives him a New Testament. And Stephen Colbert, he takes this New Testament and he goes away and then he cracks it open. He said it was actually, the, it, the pages had gotten wet and they got frozen and he actually had to literally crack it open. And then when he opened it, there was a little reference in there that if you wanted to look up verses on certain topics, you could. And what drew his eye was that you could look up verses about anxiety. So Stephen Colbert turns to Matthew chapter 6 and he begins to read about the God who says, don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. God is taking care of the lilies of the field. God is taking care of the sparrows of the air. God will take care of you in so much more than that. And your worrying won't add anything. It won't add hours to your life. It won't add an inch to your stature. It won't change anything. Don't worry because God cares for you. And Stephen Colbert was impacted. In fact, he said, it's the first time he said he'd heard of this, but it's the first time he could say he experienced the words of the Bible jumping out at him. Now, I, this isn't an advertisement for Stephen Colbert's faith. I don't actually very, know very much about his faith. I think he's a practicing Catholic. In fact, some people have said, you know, attacked him, and he says, well, I'm only a practicing Catholic. I'm, not very, I'm practicing because I'm not very good at it. Anyhow... So I'm not, I'm not, this isn't about Stephen Colbert. This is actually about the guy who brought the Green New Testament. Because how is Stephen Colbert going to hear the gospel unless someone brings him a Green New Testament? Somebody had to embrace their role that they were, that they were the representation of God. Not in a... Not in a prideful way, but they were a representative that God had worked in their life, and so they were so moved by what God had done in their life that they thought, people need to read this for themselves, and started handing out Green New Testaments. And so the impact in Stephen Colbert's life happened because somebody embraced their role as a speaker of good news, as a distributor of the Word of God, as a representative of of the reconciliation that God wants to bring to each and every one of us. So have you embraced your role as a speaker of good news? How can anyone preach unless they're sent? Someone has to go 
and have that sense on their lives, and I mean not just go, but always be going, wherever you go, to have that sense on their lives that I'm God's representative. I'm meant to take the message of the gospel with me. So that's, that's the first question. Here's the second one. Let me read uh, 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Whew. So here's the question. Do you love the people you're communicating with? So let's say you embrace your role. I'm going to communicate the gospel. Well, the second thing is, how do you view the people you're communicating to? Do you actually love them? I think this is an astounding passage. Every time I read it, it, it sort of hits me. Here's someone who can speak amazing, but because they don't have love, it comes off as a gong or a clanging symbol. They are annoying. I mean, that actually should be encouraging to some, maybe to many. Think about it. If you wish you could speak better, if you wish that you had a silver tongue and could just sort of woo somebody with, you know, your, your voice and the way that you communicate, but you say, no, I don't. I stutter and I stammer and I, I don't know what to say. And, I, and you know what? The difference maker is love. The difference maker is love. I'm often, I, I, I'm fooled by this often. I'm fooled by this often. I, when I hear a really good communicator, I, I get, you know, wow. You know, I get dazzled a little bit. I think that's really, they're really good at what they do. And I think that that's really great. And then you know what I find? Is that God loves to upend that in his economy. He likes to take uh, those that you might not think can communicate well, and suddenly they're coming along and they're saying, hey, pastor, uh, this is my friend, and, and uh, I just led them to Christ. You're like, what? You did? Isn't that amazing? Hmm. Maybe love is a big, such a big part of this equation that we, we get it all wrong. We think, man, if I could only be clever and clear and communicate, if I speak with the tongues of men and angels, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, let's send the really smart guy. Let's send the really great communicator. If I've given all I possess to the poor and give my body over to hardship, let's send the guy who sacrificed so much. And God might say, no, we're going to send the guy who loves much. Now, we can all love much. We can all grow in love. In fact, Jesus can love people through us if we allow him to work in our hearts. If we ask him, Lord, would you give me your heart for the people in my life? I was in a, an, I, I've shared about this one before, but I was in an argument, I think. It, was, it felt like an, in, uh, an aggressive interrogation, actually, and I was on the receiving end. And it was... Uh, someone in my extended circle of friends and family, and they were saying, do you still believe this? Do you still believe this? And I was trying my best to give good answers. I was trying to speak 
with good, you know, with the tongue of a man or, a man or angels. I was trying to have the gift that could fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. I was trying to be a smart guy. I was trying to be a good speaker. I was trying to, you know, maybe talk about good, my good attributes. You know what I wish I'd done? Like, you might have given me a pass. If you saw the videotape of it, you might have given me a pass. You said, ah, Steve did okay. Good job, Steve. Sticking up for the truth. But you know what? When it was all said and done, it came to me after it was over. I said, I wish I'd spoken from my heart to his heart. That's what I wish I'd done. When he said, do you still believe? You do still believe? Do you still believe? I I wish I would have interrupted all that and just said, you know what? I'm still grateful for the mercy of God. I still am so thankful that my Heavenly Father loves me. I have needed that. I am, I am a, I'm a broken person who's got lots of flaws inside and I needed someone to come into my life with the forgiveness and leadership that God has given me. I, I wish I'd spoken to the heart. I wish I'd spoken from my heart. I wish I'd spoken to, about why the, the, the gospel which means good news, why it's good news to me. I wish I'd said that. And said it was all up here. We were having it all up here, a cerebral argument back and forth, me and him, me and him. I didn't tell him about how God has come in and to the areas of woundedness in my life and brought healing. And you know why I think that would have been especially important? Because I knew that guy's story. Knew that he'd just gone through a huge season of woundedness. And that he needed healing. Do you love the people you're communicating with? Do you love the people you're communicating with? I need to grow in love. I need to ask God for his love. The good thing is that he will give it. Say, Lord, download your heart into mine. Show me how you see this person. Show me me how you yearn for them to be in relationship with you. Let me read some more. James chapter 1. It says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And then down in verse uh, 26 it says, Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. And their religion is worthless. Wow. Some hard words there. So, here's my next question. Do you have a tight rein on your tongue? (laughs) I'm just convicted by every one of these. I'll just tell you straight up. Everyone I'm preaching, I'm preaching at myself this morning. Does your tongue engage before you actually listen? Remember what it says? It says, quick to listen. I'm listening. You're talking. You got my attention. And slow to... speak and slow to become angry wow you know what this i just i think this verse is the solution to one of the world's biggest problems i think every social media site should have this verse as its banner headline (laughs) that would help me that would help me just even a couple weeks ago i i blew this I blew this. I like the illustrations where I could say, man, just last week I totally did this. This is not one of those illustrations. 
A couple weeks ago, I, I, I hadn't been on Facebook for a long time, and I went on, I sort of, maybe I was out of practice or whatever, but anyhow, I got on, and someone, you know, posited some argument, you know, this is what they trotted out as an idea, and I was like, that's got holes in it, that, there's no, the reasoning, that's, I can't believe, you know, anyhow, my own opinion, and I started to engage. Now, was I quick to listen? No. I didn't take some time and try to think, now what do they really mean? Or what are they really feeling? And, and could I speak to their heart in this area? No, I just wanted to go. So I was, instead of being quick to listen, I was quick to speak. But I'm supposed to be slow to speak. Oh, man, I messed that up. So here I am, typing a response, and then another one, and another one. And then I'm starting to catch on. What am I doing? How do I get out of this? Why did I do this? I did the exact opposite. I was slow to listen instead of quick to listen. And I was quick to speak or type instead of slow to speak. And slow to get angry, well, I don't think I was angry, but I was not terribly congenial either. So, a tight rein on our tongue and a tight rein on our typing fingers will make a big difference. Really make a big difference. My, again, I'm telling you all my failure stories. I hope you feel super encouraged. You're like, man, I'm way better than Steve. This is awesome. <laughs> At the end of that exchange... What, what was the, again, I don't totally get discouraged about my failures anymore, right? I, the grace of God's made a difference. Uh, the gospel's made a massive difference in my life in this area. I don't like wallow and wallow. Like I used to be really bad. I'm not so bad anymore. I take them as a learning experience. This one, I, the learning I came away from was um, like next time. Like next time. I'm, I want to I wanna find that way to, that I can actually Follow what the scripture says in this way. Next time I want to, you know, if, if I'm going to engage, I think, well, something's wrong there. Well, then ask them to reveal that, you know? So, hey, what's going on? How are you doing? How are you feeling? You know? Is life rough for you right now? Or, you know, like engage in a different way instead of uh, the way that I engaged. So, do you have a tight rein on your tongue is the way we'll sum that one up. 1 Peter 3, 15 to 22. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Okay. So I think gospel fluency, what we've been going through, is, has been preparing us, helping us. It's helped me, I'm sure, I'm sure some of you as well. And some of you are in life groups that are still tracking with it. You know I know what the experience is like. You get into a life group and you're like, this is great. Every week there's going to be a sermon and then in a life group we're going to tackle the same material. And then Thanksgiving happens and Halloween and then you can't meet that one week and then suddenly, hey, this series is on week nine and work on week three or two or, <laughs> or less. And you're like, whoa, I, I feel like we missed the whole thing. Well, we wanted to give an opportunity, and we will do this again in the future. We want to give opportunities for people to really think through how is the gospel good news to me? Because that's probably the thing you're going to share if you ever have an opportunity to, to tell someone. 
how is the gospel good news to me? So this week I had a very interesting um, happenstance. Um, good friend of mine, really good uh, friend of mine, I've known her for a, quite a few years. Um, we sort of shared the sideline of the soccer field for a lot of years. Um, so she had kids that, great kids, great person, and she had, had uh, we always ended up on the same soccer teams. In fact, after a while, we just tried to get on to the same soccer teams because the kids got along and it was really a, a, good, a good deal just to, to do things together. Sometimes we co-coached and stuff like that. So anyhow, happened to have a run in this week with this friend, uh, you know, the soccer mom. And uh, from, you know, from, uh, you know, we have long history and long friendship and really good. Anyhow, so we're visiting here at my workplace. And uh, as we're visiting, I had put down my laptop and my, I was, I've been reading the gospel fluency book again and again, so I had that down, put that on, down on the table, and I had, she had something for me to look at, so I'm looking at something, and then she picked up the book, and I started to think, oh, is there a conversation that's going to come out of this? And I thought, oh, well, I, I just happened to set it down, and I thought, well, that would be really puzzling to somebody to read gospel fluency. That's like, that's Greek to most people, I would think. So what does that really mean? And I thought, well, if she asked me what it's about, what am I going to say? So I was so thankful that we've been going through this series. I thought, well, I'm probably going to say that gospel means good news. It means good news. And, and what the book is trying to help me figure out more and more is how what I've know about Jesus and what I've experienced in my uh, faith walk with Jesus, how it's become good news to me. That's what I'm going to share. And some of you who've been through the series, you know exactly what stories I probably would go to now because I've been sharing the same stories week after week, right? I tell them about how, what an ungrateful son I was. But then I came to really appreciate my father and that that transformation didn't happen because I'm a good person. That transformation happened because of God and actually how I came to see him as my father and sort of let my dad off the hook, some, some of my expectations, and began to appreciate my father. And all the things I wasn't appreciating about my father, uh, being such an ungrateful son, I started to appreciate. But God did that work in me. So I could tell her that story. Or I could tell, him, tell her about, I shared this story at Set Free, about uh, uh, my um, the controlling fear in my life over finances and how that was a big issue and that didn't get fixed by taking some financial course or getting, uh, go, going for counseling or anything like that. Not that that could be a good thing in my life, but it got fixed because God showed me that he's a great provider and that I can trust him and that I can relax and just be his kid. So I, story after story, I could... I was just excited. Now, she never did ask about the book, and we ended up talking about some other things. We had a wonderful conversation. It was very nice. But I thought, oh, I know what I can talk about. That was a great first step. Now, remember, we've talked about listening for the longings in your own heart so that you can understand how the gospel applies to your own life, and then listening for the longings in the other person's speech and what they say, right? You're trying to sense where their heart is at so that you can find out this is how the gospel's good news to me. For me, there's multiple layers of it, several stories, different things I could, I could present. 
but also, how would the gospel be good news to them? What's the longing? You know, when I did that sermon on listening for longings a couple weeks ago, I thought of personality profiles. Like, you all have different personalities. You would agree with that, perhaps? Um, one of the personality tests I've taken is the DISC test. Is anyone familiar with that? D-I-S-C? Okay, just like, yeah, okay, a couple dozen people. That's cool. Um, and um, there's the D-I-S, and it's the, the person with the S profile. I bet when, even if you've never taken the test, this is how you can tell you were that person. When I talked about listening for longings, really sensing where people are at, you were thinking, duh, doesn't everybody do that all the time? Because you do it supernaturally. It's amazing. It's your superpower, actually. You can be in a room with people and you can sense where they're all at. I don't have that as strongly as my wife does. My wife is much better at this. So I'll go into a scenario and I'll be like, we'll have a visit, we'll talk with different people, then we'll leave and I'll say, wasn't that a nice time? And she'll go, didn't you sense the fact that that one person was really upset? What? Someone was upset? No, not at all. I thought we were all happy. But she's got the superpower. You might have it too. In fact, God probably wants to use your personality in how you share. So some of you, you're the D. The D is the, uh, it, you know, they're the get it done, get the results, right? So the D people, is that you? You're thinking, oh yeah, that's me. I'm all about the results. Let's get her done, right? Get her done is actually, I've got a tattooed on my arm. Get her done, right? You know? <laughs> and God wants to use that. So you're like, yeah, sharing my faith, yeah, get her done, task, to-do list, did it today, three times, I do it three times, every day, <laughs> awesome, that's not my personality, but I think it's awesome that God's wired you that way, that's cool, you'll do it differently than I'll do it, but I think it's really great, to me, your eye, it's in, the eye likes to inspire, so you're, that's a little bit more like me. So some of you are like me, you, you want to tell a story that captures someone's imagination and you want, you want them to be inspired about the gospel. You want them to, 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 to sort of get, a, get a, a vision of what it can be in their lives. And the S, you're just so in tune with what the other person is thinking. You're going to be so good at thinking, oh man, what they want, what they desire, what they're longing for, wow, if they... If we can connect the dots here from what they're longing to who Jesus is, it's going to be an amazing coming together. Right? Now, the C, I can never figure out the C. The Cs are the conscientious ones. They want it to be accurate. And they want to finish. And they, they, they really take care of details and stuff like that. So I haven't quite figured out how the C one, that's the one I'm the least like. So I haven't quite figured them out. I haven't quite figured them out. I have C's on my team so that um, my dreams don't become someone else's nightmares. Um, <laughs> but I would think that a C would cover all the bases. They would, they would, be, would want to make sure that, well, this person needs to know this, and they need to know this, and this and this. You know, they would want to make sure that they get the whole gospel and not just some snippet, like, you know, the I. Anyhow, so uh, God will use your personality. So, you know, here's the thing in the church that I get a little bit worried about. You see somebody else and they're sharing their faith in a certain way and you don't like it because it doesn't jive with how you are wired. 
as long as they're following the instructions of Scripture, and we're looking at them right now, aren't we? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. God will use all different personalities and all different ways in which to bring people to himself. And you're probably wired in a very unique way that you actually have a, a significantly greater impact on certain people. In fact, you might be able to reach people that nobody else can reach. So it's absolutely essential that each one of you who is a follower of Jesus comes to see yourself as God's declaration person in the world. Because the, the, when we read the Bible, it says that the body isn't got disposable parts. Every part is indispensable. It's absolutely needed. Imagine what we can do together with all our different personalities and different life experiences, different heart, passion, different ways that God has shaped us. Imagine if we work together to see people reached for God, come into relationship with him. So it takes some of the daunting out of it when we realize that we're partners in this. So there I was, and I was sharing about the soccer mom who I thought we were going to have this conversation. We had a different, wonderful conversation, but I was really, here's the question. Am I prepared to share the reason for the hope that I have? And I guess the caveat we always have to add is, am I ready to do that with gentleness and respect? Am I ready to do that with gentleness and respect? So we've been thinking a lot about this so that we can be ready. And I felt ready. I didn't know how it would go, but I felt ready that day. And I was hoping that she would ask, and I was hoping the conversation would go that way. And it, I didn't force it to go that way. And, I, you know, maybe someone, maybe a D would have got there. Uh, for sure they would have. But for me, I was ready and willing to engage, and I'm looking forward to those opportunities as they come. And thankful for this series as we've grown in it. Luke chapter 12 is the last passage I'll read. It says, when you're brought before the synagogues, this is talking about... Uh, sharing your faith in hostile scenarios. When you're brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourself or what you will say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. I think a lot of us, we get worried. What am I going to say? Don't forget that you are not alone. You are not alone in this. Listen in the moment when you need direction. Listen, right? So, you, you, you know, we talked about listening two ways. You're listening for longings. What is this person really looking for? What's the great need that they feel? And, and how, does that, how is that need actually satisfied in Jesus? But also, listen to the Holy Spirit, right? Listen. We're trying to, um, as a church, grow in listening, in fact, in January, we plan to do a whole teaching series on listening. Because how is Jesus going to lead his church if we don't stop to listen? We want to be those who, who are open to his direction in our lives. So here's the big question in this area. Are you trusting God to guide and direct you? 
Are you trusting God to guide and direct you? I think some of the panic or fear or anxiety we could have in this area is, root, is rooted in a wrong thought. And that's the thought that I need to convict them of sin. No, that, actually the Holy Spirit does that job. That's not your role. Or I need to save them. Actually, that's Jesus. That job's already filled. What does he call this to be? A witness. Basically, what does a witness do? They tell about what they've seen and they've heard, what they've experienced. They tell the truth that they know in a way that the other person can make a qualified judgment. That's what a witness does in a courtroom, right? But in this scenario, you just got, you share what God's given you and you trust God to guide you, direct you, and to work in the other person's life. I was praying for someone while I, I was getting ready for set free. And I was praying for someone in my life. And, uh, you know, there's a couple steps you can sort of take as you're moving closer and closer in relationship and, and sort of bringing Jesus in the process. And, and the three that were in my mind was, um, you know, often like eating with someone is a first significant step that you can often take with someone like you know i i know you know we're casually acquainted with that person but i've never had a meal with them having a meal is sort of like a a, a step of getting closer in relationship and then the second one is praying for someone is is a significant uh step and i had i have eaten with this person and i have prayed for this person and so i thought yeah I, you know my heart is sort of growing in connection to this person and then uh, i felt like as i was out uh, getting ready for the set free retreat, and I was praying for this person. Um, I felt like just sort of a nudge from God that next time pray with this person. Pray with this person. So I thought, yeah, that'll be the next step of faith to say, hey, you know what? I told you before that I prayed for your, you know, some of the struggles or things that they had in their life. Would you be okay if I prayed with you? And to take that next step, right? But that came out of me talking to God and, and, and praying so that he can guide and direct me. So I feel more confident about taking that step. I'm not just taking that step because it's one, two, three, and it's written in some manual somewhere. Uh, taking that step for me is an obedience to God in his guiding and directing me. And so are you open? Are you trusting God to guide and direct you? Because it's his message that he's entrusted to us. And he is more invested in that message than we are. What we're trying to do is jump in the game as hard as we can with both feet as much as we can. We're excited that he's reconciling the world to himself. We're excited that he's uh, not counting people's sins against them but allowing them to experience his grace. We're excited that he's bringing them into relationship. He's bringing them into a spiritual family. That he takes people who at once were indifferent towards him and enemies towards him and he's calling them sons and daughters and his representatives in the world. It's amazing what he's doing and we're joining him in what he's done. I want you to stand with me. We're going to pray and, and then we're going to pray for, uh, we'll do something different after this. But let's just, let's just pray and, and uh We'll cap off this part of the, our, our message this morning. Right now, I just want you to think of the, 
Think of the people in your life that you say, man, if, if, if God got a hold of their life, that would be so amazing. Family, friends, co-workers, classmates. Say, man, I'd really love it if, if Jesus got a hold of their life, if Jesus, uh, if they were reconciled to God, if there wasn't, you know, they weren't in rebellion to God, they weren't indifferent towards God, but they were, uh, they experienced the love of God and they were starting to reciprocate back their own love towards him. Wouldn't that be amazing? So think about those people and let's pray. Lord, I thank you for uh, these ones who are uh, precious people to us. And we know that our love for them pales in comparison to your love for them. Your love for them is so powerful, it's beaming towards them 24-7 when they wake, when they sleep, when they rise, when they go to bed. You love them. And you desire to be in relationship with them. You desire for them to experience all that you have for them. In fact, you thought that us being in relationship with you was so important that you put together a rescue plan. A rescue plan that came at great cost, the blood of Jesus. So we we want to see and value that blood that was shed. We don't want to treat it as a light thing, but we want to see that it's a precious thing and respond accordingly. So Lord, would you help us? You know we've got hang-ups. You know we've got our own issues. You know we've got our own hesitations and insecurities. Lord, I pray that you would work in our lives in such a way that those things would not be uh, roadblocks that would continue to hold, hold us back. But that we would be able to be your declaration people in this world. Not like we're going to stand on top of a building and yell it. I don't know, maybe some will. But that we're going to, we're going to communicate that Jesus has done a work in us and that Jesus desires to do an incredible work in others as well. Thank you that you're bringing people to yourself every day. We want in. We want to participate. We want to be your partners. And you've called us and commanded us to be those so we know that request in prayer is totally in line with your will. Lord, make us your ambassadors. Thank you that you've done it through the cross. Positionally, we're your ambassadors. Make us functionally your ambassadors in Moose Jaw. We ask that in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated. I'm just going to... We're going to do two things. I'm going to invite the, the worship band back. Okay? And we're going to sing our... We have our last song we're going to sing this morning. And we're just going to worship the Lord after hearing his word. We're going to just worship the Lord. And then after that, I'm going to get... Those who are visiting from out of town, leaders and, and participants in the Set Free Retreat, I'm going to call you guys up. And we're going to have a prayer time at the end. And let me just say this in advance. I'll probably say it again later just to make sure we get it. Most, uh, in most Christian environments, when you ask to pray for somebody, you sort of just jump into prayer. And we're, we're trying to train ourselves to being a listening people. So I'm going to invite you, uh, if you want to come and pray for some leaders, to come. You don't have to. You, you can stay in your seats. You can be dismissed. There's options at that point. But when we do come and pray, we're going to listen first. We're going to listen first. All right? We're not going to just jump in with words. But we're going to be slower to speak and quick to listen with God. Okay? So that's, that's great.
But let's stand, I guess. I sat, had you sit down, but, uh, you know, just here's another chance. Let's just worship the Lord together, and then we'll, we'll have our, our extra prayer time at the end.